So strangely, this was completely by accident. I started playing um, Tell Me Why, which was uh, Don't Nod's game from 2020. Um, and the reason why I say this is a coincidence is because yesterday was um, Trans Day of Visibility. Um, I didn't remember that <laughs> as I was playing the game. And the game, and the game Tell Me Why features um, a transgender character very prominently. And in it, I started getting really interested in the way in which it approached representation. So one of the things that I kind of want to talk about in this episode is how you do representation of marginalized groups, especially if you yourself are not a member of that group. Welcome back to the Furidashi Podcast. I am, as always, Nicholas, and I am here with the delightful Lauren, whose bangs have been freshly cut, if I recall correctly. Or yes, cut a couple- freshly cut bangs. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, we, the, the smell of freshly cut bangs in the morning. Ah, <laughs> uh, sweet smell of fringe. <laughs> um, but before we get into um, the topic for today's episode, um, we want... So we record about a week in advance. So right now... Uh, let's just say certain things are happening at Activision Blizzard that are the, um, I guess you could say, continuation of other things that have been happening at Activision Blizzard, and we've talked about this before. And I would just like to reiterate that our stance on all of this is that we are 100% always in solidarity with the the victims of oppression and the victims of harassment and abuse. Um, and when it comes to you all out there, if you want to if you're feeling angry about what is going on and you want to do something that you should always, always take the lead of those who are the victims of abuse, um, what they want to be done, how they feel they can be made whole. Don't go off and do weird vigilante crap because it's easy to get caught up in the sort of the salaciousness of everything that's going on, but your focus really should be on the people who are affected by all of the horrible things that have been going on at Activision Blizzard. And you should also remember that they are the ones actually making the games. Bobby Kotick is not the one who makes the cool armor sets. He's not the one who makes the really awesome skins for COD. Like, it's the people who are being harassed who do those things. And so you should be always on their side and no one else's. So <laughs> with that, without a, yeah, Lauren, do you have any yeah, thoughts? Yeah, and with that, that? in mind, um, it is like very important for us to realize that it is better to be duped by a victim than to say yeah. that the company was in the right all along from the very beginning. Yes. Um, there are a lot of compelling arguments on the other sides of bubbles that you may or may or not be aware of where, of course, the CEO couldn't have known or, of course, these things did not come to light. And with the recent story that just came out last week, um, it is very important to see that they were incredibly aware, if yes. not outright abusers themselves. And so remember that. Um, and also remember 
that the levity and the joke of the situation, which is bringing us into this episode, is that if, right, they announce, if Blizzard announces, like, six new gay heroes, like, this is not a justification or an acknowledgement of past transgressions. That is absolutely a cover-up. Exactly. So, and that is how you need to... And this kind of brings us straight into, right, the AAA kind of aspect of this versus the indie aspect for what we want to talk about in today's episode. Yeah, so today, um, to I, I set this up. Hopefully, I will have set this up in the cold open. I'm not sure what I'm going to end up using. But we want to talk about um, representation in video games, specifically in mass market so-called AAA video games, and the problems that like AAA companies have with dealing with uh, the representation of marginalized individuals appropriately. Because there is a lot of representation of people from marginalized groups, but often is extremely inappropriate, or it has this tendency to take on, like, essentially, like, say, a, a racialized character is just a skin for a white person. And to me, the the example that always comes up is Uncharted, where you have a, a female black character whose voice actor is a white woman and whose blackness in that game is kind of insignificant. Like, or, or like, it, it doesn't matter. Like, like she could, quite she literally could be... feels like she was a poster child for the game. Exactly. Whereas, and Lauren has addressed this before, you have games like Spider-Man Miles Morales where a lot of effort and detail has been put into that game to make sure that it is not just culturally sensitive, but also because just so that the game itself reflects a sort of like cultural milieu in a meaningful way, not just that like it's there and it sort of like ticks a, a checkbox. So Lauren, if you want to, since it is one of your favorite games, why don't, why don't you speak a little bit about that? And then we'll get into sort of the, the larger issues that we want to address. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I would say that when we look at the marginalized, like the representation of marginalized uh, demographics, right, not just the peoples, right, but yeah. also maybe demographics of a set of people. Um, this is really important to me because I'm at that weird intersection between both being a part of the LGBTQA community. I also was born a woman and identify as a woman. So that is in the games industry, maybe not yeah. in the world, right, in the games industry, that is something that is very foreign to people which is very strange because let me tell you I ha- I'm one of the first people to say that I was not uh I was not part of the movement that was like we need female groups for everything and female leadership and female training and blah 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 but then they're run by women who are like how to be more woman and really I just don't want to be woman I just want to be Lauren uh <laughs> is, is that too much to ask uh, and so but that's really important, right? Because I was born this way, right? Yeah. And I happened to identify this way. Yes. Awesome. And so that means that it's technically I, I'm cisgender, right? Like I was born female. I uh, am female presenting. Um, yeah. That doesn't mean I can't wear a suit or whatever. It just means, right, this is great. So I fit into this norm of what yes. it means to be female. Yeah. Now, when we look at race and we look at Miles Morales, I absolutely love that game or we should call it ethnicity really because it's his heritage right yeah yeah it's it's a little um, bit more complicated when you're talking it, about latino it, it, individuals yeah it's going to be a little more complicated so ethnicity yes. and heritage um especially in, in new york is that this game had a lot of amazing reviews and a lot of amazing like press and i was like okay great whatever but then as people's stories came up and they showed me the screenshots and they showed me like the mixed heritage that he has and the struggle that he's dealing with the entire game is really about him 
becoming Spider-Man. Yeah. And not about him being like, right, a kid from Brooklyn that's now in Harlem, that Harlem is predominantly, right, black and Hispanic, and he happens to be of both those races. And, oh, no, the struggle of race and corporate America, blah, 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 blah. The reason why I am I'm so happy for that is that it's it's not a game about where he came from. It's a game about who he is, right? And yeah. who he is are these ethnicities and this heritage and this culture and who he realizes is that he does have a home in Harlem because that's kind of the story. Is that and this is not actually spoiling any of the the like there's no spoilers in what I'm saying, right? But culturally, he has a home in Harlem. And what I think was amazing about the developers at Insomniac, uh, shout out to Grant Parker, who I saw your name in like the giant scroll. (laughs) Uh, And I think that every developer and even at the highest level of development, which means the people that give the money, right? The the executives went out of their way to find and get critiques on the cultural aspects of of this character. Yes. And so one of the famous scenes in the game, um, this is public knowledge in the, uh, uh, on the internet, is that they're cooking thanks- Thanksgiving. They're cooking Christmas Eve dinner. What are the meals that would be there? What are the music that they would play? Yeah. Right? Um, who are some of the artists on these vinyl records, right, that they would actually have access to or that they would, like, a lot of families, right, Mexican families or, or Hispanic families, I should say, um, and and like how, how that would be and like the dishes they would make and how do the dishes actually look? How are they prepared? How were their interactions? And they actually changed a lot of the dialogue and a lot of the um, like the food trucks stands, especially in that game to match yeah. the culture, not of not just New York, right? Yeah. But of Harlem. And there's a very cool Easter egg that I found with my boyfriend that <laughs> I am going to share with you, actually, and I'm making my segment go a little long, so I'm sorry, Nicholas. No, Um, no, it's our podcast. We can talk about whatever we want. I I have to tell you guys this Easter egg. (laughs) So they changed so much of this game, and you can see the nature of AAA development that a lot of this honestly came a little bit later in development that I think they would have liked. Because I'm not sure if they, they didn't start with Culture Advisor. They made their game, okay? And then they brought in the Culture Advisor team to the writing staff. Because, of course, like narrative is just, you know... Uh, it's just the rapper. It's, it's, it's just the, the rapper. Narrative... You can do it. I, can do I it fucking late. hate that phrase, narrative rapper. I, hate I so also much. hate it because <laughs> the reason why you play Miles Morales is the narrative and the context. <laughs> you could swing through Spider Man all live long day, right? But that yeah. doesn't make, you know, that's not what stood out about Spider Man 2 on the GameCube. Okay. <clears throat> Rolling back. <laughs> Easter egg yeah. for all of you out there. There's a very important radio call that uh, Miles' mother gives him and says, hey, can't wait for you to come to my rally. Look for the Yido truck, okay? It's going to have the big Yido. It's her favorite because that's that's a very big part of New York culture is food trucks. Yeah. Um, but if you weren't aware, right, Yidos and the Arabian population and the Greek population, like Turkey, there, it's a huge thing, right, in New York City. Yeah. Um, if you weren't aware. Now... I can tell you right now that there is no Yido truck in the entire rally in an art asset. It does not exist because I searched for it and I got fed up and I quit. Now my boyfriend is playing through this game and I'm watching him because I kind of sped run it. I think I completed the whole campaign in like, I don't know, 20 hours or 30, something really, really crazy. Yeah. Um, like Insomniac's going to hear that and be so upset. But so I sped, <laughs> I sped through it. I didn't really do any of the, I did some optional content, but not, not a lot. 
he goes through it and he's talking to every single food truck stand and we get to the Yido truck where they're like, oh yeah, I love this place. Has the best Yidos in town. And we look at it and it is an LA hog barbecue truck where it only (laughs) serves corn and mashed potatoes and grilled meat. And I just look at him and I'm like, wow, that is like, they're like, it's my comfort soul food. Like that's the lines or what they're talking about. And I went, I wonder which demographic in America thinks hometown barbecue is a comfort food, right? You're not going to find a barbecue food truck where, in New York yeah, City. Where, yeah, where is it? Where is Insomniac? Now I have to look this up because this Insomniac is, is an Insomniac is in LA. They're in Santa Monica. Oh, okay. That's probably why. Ah, see? See? <laughs> what demographic of America is like, you know what I want? I want me some barbecue. Now, now, hold on. I say that like that because I live in Alabama and I am, just, just to be clear, I actually loud. just had barbecue last night. Um, uh, and, and I say that because the type of barbecue that was presented to us in this barbecue truck, just so that we're clear, okay, was a barbecue that is a very specific demographic of which you all know what I'm talking about. Um, it is much more like the, you know, up, upper <laughs> upper echelon of barbecue to these people. I have no idea. <laughs> the high tier, the highest tier of barbecue. Not even, not even high t- I don't want to call it that because like the best, some of the best barbecue you can get is like in, like in KC, like. Yeah, yeah and no. or in Kansas City or yeah. no, I'm just saying like isn't in, in these is, is different. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, all that to say that that shows you right there the cultural dissonance, right? Of these developers were like, obviously you go to barbecue food trucks, right? Because we're of a certain demographic, and the writing team admits like right they were not of Morales's Miles like specific demographic, and yeah. then when they finally went to the culture advisor, they did change the writing, but it came too late in the triple A development cycle process to change the food truck, or the people working the food truck. Yeah. To actually um, to change the art, right? So I missed that entirely because the art did not say right Eidos. And I think that that's a step in the right direction. But you can see since it came so late, right? I get to now tell you guys about this Easter egg. And <laughs> I, I have to say that of all the stuff that Insomniac did, it, it's better for the whole of the experience, right? Yeah. And I'm uh, sorry, artists, that they literally, I can tell that you were just not given enough production time to yeah. change the asset. You know what? I bet you actually did change the asset and your build engineers told you that you couldn't get it in a package. Yeah, like, it's, possible, okay. it's possible that they never even knew that it needed to be changed. Like, you know, it, yeah, cause it, that's cause AAA. Because if, if they had worked on it, you know, early on and were like, okay, yeah, you know, we, we finished these assets, they're done, we move on to something else. If nobody told them, like somebody has to actively go and tell them, like, actually, we need new assets for this because of, you know, X, Y, and Z. So you can't throw them under the bus for that. Because No, I'm not throwing anyone under the bus. Yeah. I'm just sorry for, that's why I was like, look, I'm sorry to your team. You guys did an excellent <laughs> job. I know that I'm like, you know, airing your dirty, <laughs> dirty triple A laundry. It's all of us, though. All of us have done this, you know? Well, and I think, okay, I, but I still think it's a fair criticism because the thing that we really want to talk about is like why that is such a problem in AAA development. Because so the game that I wanted to talk about in reference to this, especially, is um, Don't Nod's uh, Tell Me Why from 2020, which I actually recently started playing completely by coincidence. But so as I was playing and I was like, okay, you know, this this feels like, you know, a Don't Nod game. It's, you know, whatever. But the sort of all the background information I found really fascinating, probably more fascinating than the game itself, 
because the the sheer amount of like effort and care and attention that had to be put into a game where like the representation of a transgender individual was, you know, pretty decent, like was astounding. And even with all of that, like, so, you know, Lauren, you talked about the fact that with uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales, that the sort of the, like the cultural sensitivity, like reviews, so to speak, came a little too late in the design process. Whereas in the case of Tell Me Why, it was there from the very beginning. And even with being there from the very beginning, like, so it's not only that it's a, you know, the main character is transgender, Tyler, but also the voice actor is himself transgender, like gave a lot of personal feedback with regards to sort of like, you know, voice lines and changing certain things. Like that happened at the very beginning and existed throughout the entire design process. And yet still, it was a slog. And so not only is it sort of difficult because AAA games just don't really have the built-in, I guess you could say, production methodologies and sort of like systems for incorporating that sort of thing. It's also that like the the industry itself is almost like resistant to it. And I can, yeah. And I compare this into my head to the fact that like, you know, if you go on to sort of like, you know, itch.io right now, you will find a bazillion of the queerest games in existence. Some of which are very bad. Some of which are really fantastic. And a lot of which are just sort of mediocre. Um, and one of my favorite games, What's Your Gender, is an extremely queer game. Lauren and I have played it on stream. We both love this game. It is amazing, but it is like the antithesis of a AAA game, like the exact opposite. And maybe that's what we like about it, maybe not. But we want to try and figure out like why it is that AAA games and the AAA development space is so resistant to this. So yeah. that's where we're at. Yeah, and so I am actually going to argue, right, with that resistance in mind. And before I get into that resistance, I do want to say that, one, I am obviously in huge favor of support for getting more of diverse, not only voices on the screen, but in yeah. those, right, industries that which we make it. Because for me, at the end of the day, AAA really is all about your return on the investment. And a lot of these companies, right, think that going out of their way to hire, right, a non-binary voice actor for a non-binary character, or they need to go hire a cultural advisor, those takes a lot of money. But what if, say, in this magical world, that instead of hiring and having to search out of your way for these people, you had already hired them at your studio? So that instead of having to yeah. get and pay extra for a cultural advisor, right, you had someone working on Miles Morales who was already, right, of yeah. right, the Black and the Latinas, uh, Latinx communities. Right? And the expectation now, is there that you're supposed to be doing that already. Yeah, and the expectation is there. So I yeah. do also want to, uh, I also do want to give some, like, a nice breath of hope is that the production practices and the AAA industry may not be at your, in your consoles or on your PCs right now. Right. But I am working right now at a place where the production processes and milestones that we create for ourselves, there is an expectation there for yeah. us not to only be culturally aware, but culturally relevant. Right. Yeah. So that we're not just talking about issues in our games that were the Civil War. Oh, how <laughs> terrible. But like it's 2021. <laughs> Why are we still talking about this? But to the repercussions <laughs> that have actually happened after it. Yes. Right. 
Yeah. Um, that's that's so, an allusion to a conversation that Lauren and I had before we started <laughs> recording. So none of you are going to understand that, but it tickles my heart. And I just wanted to let No, but it's, it's true. I feel like sometimes people are like, man, racism in the South is so bad. Let's move on. Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, I, I lived it. I lived it. And so um, it's just, it's, it's, I lived it on both, uh, on both sides differently, but I will say that I did not live it from a, a truly colored perspective. And I, that's my admission. So yeah. now, now that we've have gotten that out of the way, because it is very important for you to realize that there is hope, there is a light. Um, there are AAA studios that want to do this right. The want to do it right. There we go. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, now let's get into all of the arguments for it, for against being culturally aware, I guess. I don't know. Or well, why, okay. why AAA so resistant? Why like is it resistant? Maybe you could ask okay. me some questions or... So I think there is one logical reason. I mean, all of the reasons are bad in their own way, but there is definitely like a cost-benefit analysis reason for no, why there, not. Well, there's always reason slash logic yeah. around these arguments, and they are rational, and you can rationalize them. Yeah. They're not good or bad <laughs> they're just wrong <laughs> okay okay so okay going back to the example of tell me why one of the problems that tell me why okay so i need to give a little bit of background in the production process so like don't nod at its inception was definitely like 100 percent what you would think of as like an indie studio they've kind of moved well past that point and what's interesting about tell me why is that you have a a very well-regarded at that time indie studio being specifically contracted by Microsoft to create essentially a triple A version of a don't nod game because that's what tell me why is it was, it was going to be um, an Xbox exclusive originally, but then it was released more broadly um, and got rave reviews and it was intended to be a mass market game. But some of the problems that it ran into is that, like, there are entire markets in other countries where the game cannot be sold at all because of its content. And not tiny markets, but huge video game markets like China, like Russia, where laws regarding, you know, what we might consider to be, like, non-normative sexualities are incredibly strict. And this is not, an, I mean, it's a little bit of a knock on Russia because... It, it saddens me as, as, a, as a Marxist myself that like Russia has gotten much worse when it comes to like rights for LGBTQ individuals like under communism it was actually better. In China's case, it's a little bit more complicated. Um, I don't want to get into the politics of that, but the, the problem but the problem is, is that like if you're going to be a mass market game, you have to sell internationally. And if you like cut yourself off from huge markets, like that's a real problem for a AAA developer. Yep, and let's go into that just a little bit, especially in the case with China, where one of our so being in AAA, uh, selling in places like China or not in China, right? Um, like you, you kind of do make mass market titles, right? That's the biggest way to get the return on your investment. Yeah. So looking at China in particular, um, just as an example, but this is true of any kind of uh, country that you need to license or sell your product in is that there, you always get like a handler. You get this company that works with you, right, to yeah. produce your game in that, in that, um, in that country. Now, yeah. in China, specifically in that case, especially in the multiplayer market, China requires you to use Chinese servers to host your game. So yeah. all censorship of your content is honestly just in China, which means that Chinese players are getting a different version of your game that is censored. 
Yes. And in some cases, this is not just extended to the LGBTQA community. This is a larger, uh, I don't know, game-wide, right, uh, issue is that some companies will say that since you are working with us, you now need to filter out any, like, text words because these are all our competitors. Yeah. So if you say this, this is a, that's our competitor. It's kind of like if Google had said, hey, if you're working with Google and you want to be on the Google Play Store, you need to now filter out anybody's reference to Apple. Yeah. Which would obviously negate the fruit. So what do you do in your game? Do you change every instance of an apple to an orange? Like, and, and that's, that's my joke because that's literally how these filters work yeah. is that instead of, if you are creating a product as a game developer, that everybody else in the world sees an apple and you don't have enough time or money to change every apple into an orange you release in China where everybody is calling an apple orange and the Chinese developer or the players, right? Know that it has been censored. And yeah. then that now creates a Chinese like player new like it creates news right in china yeah. where there and then that creates human rights acts and riots or like it it actually incites this whole thing so talking about these issues especially at the mass market level is is huge because now as a developer you have to choose well it's very easy to remove the apple right this yeah. is the uvo gun situation for any any 90s kids out there that watch UVO <laughs> and they're all pointing their fingers at each other. They're holding yeah. guns, but you can easily take out the gun. You can easily take out the apple. But then when people are just doing this with their hands, which or they're holding an apple in front of a camera with their hands, uh, yeah. since you guys can't see me, <laughs> then they're like, ah, oh, yes, I love this orange, but there's nothing there. Now yeah. there's a whole, like, you know, Chinese versions of Reddit threads about like, what is the metaphorical orange? Like, and you get all of these theories and stuff about your product that you can't control, right? You yeah. don't know how the internet's going to react. Yeah. So I think that diving into that type of, yeah, so it, it's it's hard. That's That's definitely one reason is where you want to release with a mass market game. There are billions of players in China that if you want to make a AAA game with a trans character, Good luck. You're going to have a rough time. You're going to have a very rough time. If a time at all. Yeah. Right? Well, it it sort of then, it it leads you back into sort of the the problem that, you know, you would have had in like literature in, you know, the 19th and early 20th century, where you can have like a queer coded character, but it has to be like, it has to be coded. So, you know, you, you you can get away with it, but you have to sort of like slip it underneath the, the explicit forms of censorship that exist. Yeah. And so, but the th- but we want to be very clear though that like this is the rational argument for why not to do it. No, and there's there's more. Yeah. I have more. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but really quickly, I can hear you guys saying, "But Lauren Tracer <laughs> is gay, and she's in China." Well, let me tell you that the writing team on Overwatch was absolutely fantastic, and not just because I work with one of them. Uh, no, they actually, what they did is yes, while she is internationally recognized as lesbian and she self-identifies as that, you will notice that in all of the dialogue that they talk about, they always just say Emily and they never actually, cause Emily is her girlfriend. Or, yeah. Yeah. Girlfriend. And they see pictures of them and they are just friends in China because yep. they never, in all of the dialogue, they never say that Emily is her girlfriend. It's just the best, well-kept, well let what the best, least best kept well secret or whatever, like in China, yeah. like they know, but they don't know, right? And you'll also know that May, 
had a huge, uh, there was a lot of conflict with trying to, as a Chinese hero in Overwatch, yeah. or getting her to actually be be playable in China. I'm not sure. I think she is now, but there was a time where they boycotted Overwatch because of one of her potential skins, right? So it is possible, right, with writing, um, but you're just not, and it's queer quoting, you're just not acknowledging that Tracer is yeah. gay. Everyone just kind of knows that she is from, yeah. right, American news. Um, yeah, and that's but then not there are probably a lot of players that don't really know that. And that's not something you can get away with in a game like Tell Me Why, because like mm -hmm. Tyler's like trans nature is an ex not only explicitly referred to, but it is somewhat fundamental to the nature of the. Re so there's this primary relationship between Tyler and his sister Allison, and the way in which and they have these like shared memories of their childhood, and the way in which they are represented as children given the fact that Tyler has transitioned is an issue in the game itself. It's like fundamental to the plot of the game. So you can't, it's not an apple that you can swap out for another piece of fruit. You just, you can't do that in this. Yeah. Game. You can't do that other than saying that like, Oh, that was my past life. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it would, it would funny that I was only a child in my past life <laughs> uh, two years ago, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. Another rational argument that people say is that it's too expensive to hire a cultural advisor, right? Or it's too expensive to hire a non-binary actor or, or say a trans actor to play this character. Yeah. Um, also, right, is that for some reason, uh, executives that have been, I don't want to just say executives because it's not just all executives, but I will say people uh, in general tend to have this argument that it used to come up a lot earlier in my career, which was that, well, how do we know that that actor is the best? Right. How do we know that that person is the best fit for the role if we're hiring them because of X, Y, or Z and X, Y, or Z being a marginalized demographic? I hate this logic, but I understand where you're going. Go ahead. No, I, I also hate this logic. I mean, I'm bringing it up so that people are aware that usually, hopefully if you listen to this podcast, you have never had that thought. However, yeah. if you had had that thought, I am bringing it up now to you to shed light on why that thought is terrible. <laughs> um, because imagine like you create this amazing, really empowering, right, black female character. And you hire a really well-known voice actor to play this character and they're white. Well, now yeah. suddenly anything that say like you got any cultural misunderstanding or misrepresentation, right? And there are plenty of black voice actors out there. And black women voice actors out there. there there's there a are, ton. Yeah. yeah, there are a lot. Why, they're very why, good. Many of them are very, And then they're very, very good. good. And you know what? They'd probably be cheaper because they're not able to get in these gigs because, like, all of these, right, are well-known actors are, you know, are 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 already booked, right? So, so why are you not taking it, right? Why are yeah. you not taking the stab? And the thing is, oh, well, I don't know if they'd be good at it. Like, ah, uh, maybe they're not the best. We should really evaluate on skill, but the skill just happens to all be white. Ah, I should comforting, know. So right? I so earlier I brought up the example of Uncharted, and I should actually note that this was not, in fact, a dig against Laura Bailey, who is the voice actor who played. Oh that yeah, role. yeah, yeah, Laura Bailey, you are great. If you were listening to her podcast, One, which would be absolutely amazing. <laughs> uh, we absolutely love your work. It is not a dig on you; it is a dig on the hiring practices and the logic of those that. Yeah, yeah, and not and not just specifically Laura Bailey, but anyone who is put in that position, because you know when you are a voice actor, like your experience of being involved in game production is you go into a sound booth, you are given sheets of paper 
with names on it and you are one of the names and you read their lines like you don't necessarily know how you as a character are going to be represented you may know or you may not know and, and, and then, even if you do know it is really you you are making money okay and you yeah. are an actor and so a lot of times in film and in television right especially with the new what netflix movie that just came out called passing there's a lot of like struggle in the communities where it goes oh but they aren't like maybe they're not black enough yeah Right, because uh, they're not as dark skinned as they should be, um, yeah. or or as this a, 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 as they should be. Right, is a is the moniker that is used for right anyone who feels that they have been underrepresented. Right, and yeah. they see representation and they feel like it, it is not enough. Um, and not a dig on any of the arguments on either side for that movie, but to show you a comparison. Right, yeah. at the end of the day, Laura Bailey's an actor, and any actor or act uh, put into this position is also there to, to make money and they have been told they are the best, right? And so they audition for it and whether or not they know where they get there, now it's it, it's not too late to back out, but in a way it is because they're like, well, I just paid rent this month and this is my rent check. Yeah. You see, there's a lot at stake here. So it's not, when I, when we talk about these issues, I do want to, I do want to be, make it explicitly clear that we're not talking about individuals contributions to a larger problem we are talking about the systemic level exactly. yes. of contribution and rationalizations that happen systemically because there's not just <laughs> because okay because the, aside yeah. there's not always just this one individual you can now target and blame right there but, are systemic... but even at but even at activision yeah. it wasn't just one individual it was a culture like so and that was really the problem is that like, yes, you had, you know, the fish rotting from the head, but at the same time, what that meant is that it created a culture in which, you know, people who could have like gone either way, so to speak, see that a certain form of behavior is, is acceptable. And so then engage in it because like, okay, I guess this is just acceptable and this is the way they're being socialized exactly. into that. Yep. And that, that's what we call friction, right? Is yeah. how much friction, when you ever have these rational arguments that are, not necessarily against diversity or including marginalized demographics or voices or cultures within the studio, right? Or even within the games they create. It really is what is the easiest operandi to operate at. And that is what we call frictionless. Because if you see that a behavior is acceptable and the majority of people are you know, doing that behavior, it is frictionless for you to become yes. a part of that community. Yep. It's frictionless to do that. But it is a lot of friction to stand against something. Yes. And it's more friction when now your paycheck is on the line. Exactly. And right? that's precisely why in the AAA space you have to be more conscientious about constructing systems in which certain things are normalized. Because it is the system that has a far greater determinative power than even the actions of any one given individual. It's like you can talk a lot about, you know, say the behavior of a given CEO or a project manager or a creative director. However, like even they are functionaries of a systemic structure with, within a company. Sorry. Right. And it doesn't have to be just within the company. It's actually within the culture as well. So I'm going to yeah. talk about this in all tech cultures. This is an example I love to use because it should be relatable to, to just about everybody. And it's the, you can never get time with your boss, right? You could never get time with your director, but he always golfs on Saturday or, sh or she could golf, but usually it's a he in this case, because yes. that's the relatability. Yeah. He always golfs on Saturday. 
So if you uh, go to the country club and you get to the golf course, you can have unlimited time with your boss. But that means you've got to afford clubs, get into the country club or wherever he's at. You got to look the part. You got to act the part. And so who's the people that fit that demographic now, right? That can look or act the part that maybe can afford the golf clubs or just show up and pretend, right? It is usually, right, the people that look exactly like their boss. And it's also, though, now golf is a thing, right? That, that That's the thing. It's the inaccessibility to your boss or your director or the person in charge to make them aware of the issues. And yeah. it's also in a bit now there's another barrier, right? It's the inaccessibility to maybe that location. Because there are a lot of places I know in around the country that if you showed up and you were not of a demographic of someone who looks like they play golf, yep. now you're not even allowed in the door, so good luck to you trying to get a promotion. Or you're going to be harassed or you might get or the cops called on you. Yeah, Cops are going to get called on you. I mean, yeah. I know a story of uh, one of our executive producers. He's like driving to Los Gatos for his job where he works. And like he gets pulled over by a motorcycle cop because they're like, oh, see you. You see you're from Oakland. You still uh, you still living in Oakland? And it's like, yes. Oh, OK. What are you what are you doing in Los Gatos? Which, for those of you who don't know, it's, I mean, Cal- the Bay Area is big, but that's just like, There's that's just place? a highway right wait, down. That's wait, like- I want to ask a question. There's a place in the Bay Area called The Cats? Yeah, 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 yeah. Called <laughs> the Cats. <laughs> okay, okay. Setting that aside, please continue. Yeah, anyway, I'm just, I'm just a, it, it's just like saying, hey, I need to drive 40 minutes to go to like visit my sister's place. And you get pulled over and someone goes, oh, I see you're from this city and you're of a certain demographic. Yeah. Um, what are you doing here in this nice area to make trouble? Yeah. Like, because Los Gatos is very nice, by the way. And it is predominantly not. Yeah, cats are really nice. You're right. Cats, cats are, are really nice. nice. You should always get a cat. <laughs> so I'm just saying that th- that's going to work. Okay. Yeah. That's just showing up for the job you were hired to do, much less anything beyond that. I'm glad that you brought this point up to sort of like the issue of sort of like the broader cult, not just cultural, but also like socioeconomic context in which these things occur. Because so the voice actor that they got to play Tyler in um, Tell Me Why is named um, August Aiden Black. And again, because I'm a nerd when it comes to looking at background information, like I followed them on Twitter, started like low key stalking them and um, came to discover that like actually they personally are having an incredibly rough time um like in terms of their finances in terms of like their social situation like their life is incredibly difficult and so the thing is and this is not just true of like any across the board like transgender individuals even in american society where it's quote unquote more acceptable like it is extremely difficult you can be alienated from your family you can have a much harder time getting particular kinds of jobs like you just rampant discrimination and so like your basic socioeconomic circumstances are going to be far worse than say like your average say like white voice actor who just you know shows up and is like hey i'm really great i have a great voice and i have great talent like this other individual, like Augustine Tyler, also is really talented, but they have to then like there there are several rungs on the ladder that they have to climb before they can even get to where other people start. And that is really sort of the issue and that like the there is so much money in the AAA space that could be used to make sure that a wider variety of people are all starting at that same rung on the ladder but there is a kind of like rank indifference to it because they only see them show up at the point where they're like, you know, several 
or they're at the very top of the ladder. Like everyone's at the top of the ladder and they're like, oh, well, everyone's at the top of the ladder. So they must have gotten here exactly the same way. And that's just not the case. It's just not the case. Yeah. And I think that is where we are going to end this episode. Um, follow us on Twitter at FudiDashiPod. Um, we have our website, FudiDashiPod.com. Um, and honestly, this is one of those instances where because we are two cisgender individuals, because we are both, Lauren is white passing and I'm definitely very white. Um, we want to hear from you all about your experiences in dealing with these issues precisely because the whole point of this is that if you are in a position of authority or power or like historical advantage, the responsibility is on you to pay more attention. And so if you are in a similar situation to Lauren and me, like do your fucking research, <laughs> you look into these things and be more careful and be more attentive because as Lauren said, things are changing, but like it's still not enough and we need to do better. And so we will see you all again in a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs>